Welcome back to Let's Talk About Skills, Baby, the podcast where we discover what skills can help you live your best life. I am your host, Kelly Ryan Bailey, and each week I chat with inspiring visionaries about the skills that make them successful. You'll get a firsthand account of how they develop those skills, as well as their innovative approaches to improving skills-based hiring and learning around the world. Now, let's talk about skills, baby. Our guest today is Amalie Yan Hufes. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'd like to introduce you quickly. So Amalie has spent more than 23 years managing crisis in Latin America, the Caribbean, Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Pacific, working with the European Union, the UN system, the Red Cross, and non-governmental organizations. She works with affected communities to address their needs in an empowering way, advises governments on disaster recovery and risk reduction, builds the capacity of national and international humanitarian and development actors, and empowers the corporate sector for growing through change, disruption, and uncertainty. Her 2020 personal journey includes the experience of cancer and chemotherapy, gifting her with a valuable additional perspective on resilience building and thriving in the time of crisis. She has coached and delivered motivational talks to thousands of government officials, members of parliament, entrepreneurs, charity leaders, professional speakers, priests, and students in Spain, Iran, France, Thailand, Malaysia, Sri Lanka, South Africa, and in many other countries. She is a certified professional coach by the International Coach Federation. Her book, which I highly recommend, is called Speak and Live Your Legacy, available in English and Spanish and published by Bubok Publishing for a practical pathway to build resilience and shine our personal and corporate inner diamond. It has been featured on Spanish national radio on Teresa Viejo's program and listed among a 20 book selection of must read books. What an amazing accomplishment. She also speaks fluently in English, French, and Spanish and her dream, which I have to say, I absolutely love a world where we can all be belong and become. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is just fabulous. And I know that I have read through these amazing highlights, which I just want to take a moment and thank you for what you've put out into the world to help people. And what I'd love to do is also just hear a little bit more about your journey. What led you here today? Thank you so much, Kelly, for the invitation, for enabling me to be here, talking to you and to your audience, to your people. I'm always very excited of what technology enables us to do today. And yes, my journey starts is, is fundamentally global. Is uh, It starts uh, when I'm 18 years old. I uh, leave France and I take a night train to Spain. I would not speak Spanish at that time. And I'm with a suitcase. Of course, it's 30 years back because close to my 49 this year. So um, is the time the suitcases do not have wheels. <laughs> and I take this train and I go to Spain initially to learn Spanish one year. And actually, it was my first expatriation and the last time I, I went to live in France, because of course I came back to France for holidays, but I never actually came back for living in France. I studied in Spain some more years, and then I engaged into humanitarian aid. I started with Bosnia. I mean, I lived in more than 13 countries and intervened and, and had mission or covered natural disasters or conflict areas in close to 40 countries. Wow. 
if I may, what made you interested in that type of work? First, I remember 1994. I remember very well the year because it's one year before the first international conference on the rights of women, the Beijing conference. And at that time, of course, it's a big thing because from this conference came out that women's rights are human rights. And though nowadays it can seem, I mean, of course, you know, at that time, <laughs> there's been years of preparation. It's been really intense and intensive discussions among countries. There's been amendments to the statement from many countries. So it was not a, a little thing. So at that time, I'm volunteering with Amnesty International and actually with a group of other people. Uh, we set up the first women's rights team in the um, Spanish Secretariat of Amnesty International. And when I volunteer with uh, Amnesty International, I, I, I read and I discover and, and I, I organize campaign for all these uh, these uh, human rights activists or these just rights activists all over the world who are being tortured, who are being jailed, who are not given a space to express and, and who still fighting and struggling and who do not have access maybe to some rights that we, we take for granted now, like the right to vote and the right as a woman to dress and to speak as you wish. And I'm fascinated by these people. I said, my God, I want to know these people. I want because they, wow, it gives me goosebumps. You know, it's it's just, you, you want to know them. You, you, you want to listen to them. You want to see what is this fire that they have within that makes them go through all what they go through and to believe and to be so activist. So um, at that time, the only way to get to the field was uh, doing humanitarian aid. So I, I applied to project manager management job in a humanitarian aid organization. And then I fall in love with humanitarian aid because it's about understanding the cultural environment and social dynamics, political context. And so I find it's fascinating. And actually I started humanitarian aid in 1997. And I was very blessed because this has been an amazing time in the world of relief and the emergency response. And because we have grown a lot, there's been a lot of development of the professionalism, of the thinking, of the way we support people in crisis. Why I, I do that and, and why I work on crisis management, whether it's through missions to the field or through coaching or, or through talks. It's, I cannot tolerate people's suffering. It touches me so deep in the heart when people suffer because, you know, there's no level. Your crisis may be small to the eyes of others, but for you, it's overwhelming. For example, the COVID crisis, if you look at countries that are used to crisis, like, I mean, continents like Africa, Asia, they're managing much better than us the Western world, because we're not used to that. So our resilience muscle, now I like to call it the, the muscle of resilience, is not is that strong because we've not practiced. So so here, for example, I coach a lot of corporate teams in industries from, from the tourism industries, for example, I've coached a number of them and the people are in so much suffering. So when someone from another context could say, hey, why are you suffering so much? You have the state paying for your salary or part of it. You have all these resources and I don't have that. I'm not complaining, but it's just a matter. The suffering cannot be compared. And that's what I work. This is my passion to be of support with what I know to people in suffering. I love how you called it a muscle because it, the funny thing about what I call skills, which are things like empathy, you being able to feel 
the pain that someone else is going through, the resilience, you know, muscle. These are things that you don't just learn once, just like exercise. It's something that you work on constantly and you develop. And in all honesty, just like exercise and just like muscles in your body, there are some days where it's just not that strong for whatever reason. (laughs) And it's just the gradual buildup of these you know, life skills, these life muscles, I'm really loving that term that makes such a huge difference. I often wonder this because most people get into this kind of work because there's like a moment in time for them that makes them see something that flips a switch and they know like, this is what I'm going to do. Did you have this one moment that you can recall that made you realize that's where I'm headed? Yes, I had these moments. And the first one is the one I mentioned when I was 18 years old and I decided that I go and learn Spanish. I think I didn't know where I was heading. I, I, I mean, I sort of know, yes, I'm going to Spain, going to study Spanish. I'm going for one year. The plan was one year, you know, and it's following like this inner call, this thing that is burning so strong inside you, you know, that in your guts, in your heart, in your soul, that you have to go. But you, you're not really clear where you're going and what, what it's taking you. So yes, I had a plan because I had a plan. So I wanted to learn Spanish one year. I wanted to open my mind, my eyes to the world and come back to my law studies in France, then be a lawyer, et cetera, et cetera. So actually, this, <laughs> so that's not where I headed. I headed in a different direction. Of course. No, I love that. But it's, it's so true that most people have this sort of plan that's, you know, sort of a standard. Yes, that's right? true. So you go with a plan, but you follow, of course, you follow your intuition, your instinct, or however you call it, or the divine call. And you know, that's the way there's no maybe, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the queen of doing this column, non plus and minus. And this decision, because when you're young, you also have this, blah, you just go. Okay. So I just went. So yes, with a plan, because it's important after the intuition, you transform it into a plan so it can materialize and you go somewhere. Now you need to know where you're going. I love this quote from Yogi Berra. He was a coach of the baseball and he used to say, if you don't know where you're going, you might end up somewhere else. I love this quote because at the beginning you say, well, it's of course, but then at the end you think, you say so many times in life or in what we do, we don't know where we're going. And then after we surprise that one day we wake up and we don't feel we are in the right place because actually we didn't decide where we wanted to be. Okay. So, so that's the first time. And you know, it, it was hard, eh? It was hard because you arrive, it, I mean, I was 18 years old. I was looking like 16 years old. I arrived to a country where I don't speak the language, I know no one. But then you you keep up and you and you stay there. And then the next time I did it in terms of my life, a big thing has been like seven years back when I quit my job in the European Union to just go to another planet where I didn't know the language. I mean, I opened my company. I, I was living in Thailand at that time. And when I say a new world with a different language, is that because I didn't know about entrepreneurship. I didn't know about companies. I didn't know about chambers of commerce. I knew only in my life one entrepreneur. Me, I'm more used to be with communities, with governments, with international organizations. This was another world. So now in humanitarian aid, we work a lot with the private sector. But that's very recent. So I arrived to this is a, like new planet and new language, new everything. So I jumped. So yes, again, with the plan. But the plan was I just knew I have to go and explore. Let's talk about this inner voice for a moment. 
because I think so many of us throughout our lives, whether or not we've felt that inner voice, you know, listening to it is a different thing. What are the things that you think you learned through that process and being able to do it a second time that would help someone else hear that inner voice? Sometimes it's not very clear. I was with my job and I knew there was something that I wanted to do, but I had no idea what it was. I knew that I wanted to change world. So that's a big thing after 20 something years of being in my humanitarian world. And then uh, one day I receive an email saying, learn how to ask empowering questions. <gasps> I said, my God, that's what I want because I'm passionate about empowering people. I mean, that's my obsession. So I said, oh, that's what I want. Because even in the office and everything, colleagues would come to me, even before I was a coach, you know, to share something, to ask, well, how, how should I manage that and everything. So, or even when I work with communities and I said, instead of telling them what to do or, or guiding them or advising, even if it's very wise, I want them to connect with their inner wisdom, with their knowledge, because that's really empowering when you're able to do that. So I said, oh, let me, so I went on the free call and, and it was a huge coaching certification, 13 months, uh, no, no, 11 months. And in wow. I said, that's amazing. And at some stage, I said, I cannot continue with this. I mean, I had a high-level job and, and really demanding in terms of presence and commitment and everything. I had two kids alone, one of them a baby. And I was coaching at three o'clock in the morning where with the United States, Saturday, Sundays. I said, no, I cannot continue. So what now? And I said, oh my God, I love when I coach people. I love that. One other part that I thought of as we were having this discussion is the work that you're doing on the corporate side as well, because a portion of this podcast focuses on innovations that are happening in the workplace. And I, I would tend to say skills-based hiring and learning. In my mind, this is all part of future of work, future of education. When you do the corporate work that you do, my guess is that you're working with the people <laughs> within that organization. When we're making decisions, we in the past liked to separate out our personal and professional life and think that, oh, we can perform in a professional way no matter what we all know, no, because you know, COVID has shown us to get all of us who didn't know before that it actually is just intertwined. Absolutely. And, and I would like to, you know, highlight what you just said. COVID, you know, I've heard in all the um, coaching in resilience that I've done with the corporate sector all this last year because of COVID, the main thing I'm hearing in Spain, in France, wherever the people are from, they say that I have these team leaders who says, Amelie, you know, before I was coming to work, and I was not even asking my people how they're doing because we wanted to focus on the work and the work objectives. And he says, now I wake up in the morning and the first thing I think is of my people. And I don't know how to tell them how much they're important to me. I don't know how even to listen, to ask them about how they feel and to listen to what they have to say, because I've never done that. But I would like so much them to know how much they're important to me. And it's the first time I'm thinking of them like that. But when it's the first time, then after COVID, it's not going to be the same. As a leader, we'll have grown. And then the people who work under our leadership have, have, have seen you in another eyes. And also they've, list, they've learned to see you as a human being <laughs> and not the, the boss. And, and, and to see you, I mean, not only the boss, and to see the other colleagues and shift perspectives. And here it's very important because when, when yes, I work with the corporate world, so, so we're talking about the same. I mean, residents, management, crisis management, 
And then what are the tools that we have to reconnect with who you, we are as an individual, as a team, as a company? We use tools to enhance the resilience and to reconnect, especially with our resourcefulness, with who we are. Because it seems in the Western world, because we're not used to, to have a, a huge crisis like the COVID that affected all areas of our life and that destroyed so many things in so little time, we've lost confidence in ourselves. We lost confidence in who we are. And before COVID, we had a life. We did so many things. It's like it's all erased. No. So what I like to work with is on this elevator pitch. It is 60 seconds to present yourself, your project, your business. But what is exciting about the pitch? Not only that you have a pitch and then you, you're super good in 60 seconds, you, you have a structured and powerful way to present yourself. It's because with these 60 seconds, you really connect with who you are, what you do and how you do. And when you pitch in a way that sounds like you, that has your personality and that helps you to reconnect of all who you are and COVID next to that is nothing. It's temporary. Even if it seems is never ending, it's temporary. Okay, so when you reconnect with all what you are, you, you regain this confidence, you pass a message to your stakeholders, to your clients that's reassuring that they know here we are on the same boat, but we're going, we're moving forward, okay? The COVID is just, it changed the path, but it's not changed who we are. On the contrary, it's helping us to grow, to discover other parts of who we are, okay? So yes, I like to use these tools to very practical tools, but at the end, what do they do? It's, it's just strengthening this inner, this inner self. And this inner self, we have that in the team, strengthening the team as a team, strengthening the company as a company with each, every, a company as it's like, I like to say this inner diamond, no? We have it within, a team as its inner diamond, a company as its inner diamond. So that's what is the inner diamond about. This is this resilience, this is this talents that we have to give to the world for a more shiny world. I so love that. There's so much goodness in what you just described. And to lean back on our listeners for a moment, I just want to say that, you know, when we talk about sort of that high performer person and in and, and the ability that growing these types of skills for ourselves, imagine if your entire company was made up of high performers, what difference would that make? And that is exactly where this piece of your work is really going to make such a huge difference because to me this, and, and the same for the reason of why I started this podcast, right? The idea was that if we all find what our unique gift is to the world, that gift that not only makes us happy in our personal life, but we know sets us on fire professionally. If we can do that, what difference will that make for the people, for their tribe, for their circle, right? Their family or their communities, for the company that they're working with, whether or not they're an entrepreneur or an employee, for government organizations, everything, it just starts to keep going and going and going. And my guess is when you were making these huge decisions in your life to go in this direction, you knew you wanted to make change. And when you came to this realization, you probably had the same thought, which was, oh my goodness, there's so much change by affecting one person's life that can be made. That's true. And, and I want, as we're finishing, just to mention, you know, of course, when you hear that, and I just want to say to you who are listening, you may be in the middle of a crisis and you say, my God, I'm feeling crap. 
I'm like in the, of the cycle, I'm down there, okay? So I, I remember a spiritual teacher once said, the more down you are, actually the higher you can bounce. And you can say, you know, where I am right now, I just feel like so bad that uh, bouncing and residence and everything. And I want to tell you all what we've mentioned and all these skills, that's when you want to have them. Because when, you know, I have been in, in not far ago <laughs> and I will be again. I mean, that's the, the life is a cycle. So at the bottom of the wheel, no? and we're there. But you know, the good thing when, because the, the most painful is when we go down like that. No? And I, uh, what is painful here many times is our resistance. <laughs> so we like that, that ah, and then we, we, we injure in ourselves. Yeah? So, I mean, I don't say just that, but it's part of the journey. So when you go down, use these skills that you have, the resilience, the perseverance, um, your pitch, your confidence, your message, um, your, your gift, your unique gift, the talents that you, we, you, you have and we have not mentioned here. So all that, it helps you that the, the cycle, the, the, the flow is more natural. And then you, at this moment, when you're at the bottom of the wheel, the good thing is that here you cannot go more down. So that's a time, you know what? There's only one place you can go. <laughs> yeah, so here you stop. Because when I've been in these places, I said, okay, great. Because at least I don't fall more. Because that's pain, the fall that is painful. So now I'm here, I'm sitting, I stop and I listen and I breathe. And I take some time off for this mind, like we mentioned before. And then I ask my questions. What? What now? Where do I want to go? Because when you're there, that's the opportunity to ask the big question. That you don't have a life. <laughs> All is broken. So you can recreate your life. Every crisis has a gift. So like I have a dear friend of mine who says it's actually the wrapping paper. It is badly wrapped. And the badly wrapped is the drama or the crisis we're going through. So it's removed this horrible wrap and find the gift, you know? And, and then when I started with the cancer process, well, when I was diagnosed, then I asked myself, I said, do I like my life? Because of course, when you have something like that, you, uh, you think about the life. <laughs> but uh, actually death, death, I'm not too scared. You know, it's, it's not something, it's not a big fear. Of, it's not a fear at all, actually, I would, I would like to say. So me, I ask the question for me about life. I say, do, I, do you like your life, family? And there are many things I didn't like. And I say, why, why are you in that place then? Change them. So, so, so when you have um, uh, big things like that, that's the opportunity. Because one year ago, or even one month ago, I was not asking myself this question. Despite I was doing things, or I was living in, in somewhere, or whatever, I didn't like. But you know, you start in the, ah, so much work, so much things, and you don't stop, like we were saying before, and you do, 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 Oof. So let us stop before there's something big, you know, and, and just ask ourselves a big question. So true. Yeah. I feel like there has been so much that I've learned in our session today. And I think that anyone listening here will feel the same way. So many good pieces that we've touched on. And Amelia, I think that Honestly, I know we're going to hear more from you as you continue your journey and you grow. I feel like I should get your autograph right now. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. And one day we'll look back on this time and I'll be like, oh, remember when I got to talk with her? <laughs> 
that's it. Thank you. And, and don't hesitate. We're all on the journey. And even when you feel down in these moments, you, you are high because you need to be down to be high. And, 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 and here you're learning something so huge. So just trust the journey and don't hesitate to contact with me, connect with me on Instagram, on Facebook, whatever, on LinkedIn. And yeah, what social media account? Cause I know you're on all the socials, but which one are you mo- most active? I really like LinkedIn. I, I have to say I I'm starting to enjoy the Instagram. And Amelia's website is ameliaspeaks.com and that's A-M-E-L-I-E speaks.com. So make sure you check out there. She also has on her website, because I think you guys should really take a peek. She's got on her website, her her e-pitch mastery course, which I love. I'm going to link all of this when it goes live. And then of course her book is available on Amazon, which is also linked through her website, but I'll link that book directly. Such a fantastic read. And, And like I said, I know that there's more to come. You know, I was even reading through some of your articles and blog posts on your website yesterday. And I was just like, it's so heartwarming, the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for coming here today and sharing with us. Thank you for doing all that you do to make such a huge difference in the world. We so appreciate you. Thank you so much, Kelly. And and thank you to all of you listening. You've been listening to Let's Talk About Skills, Baby, a Growth Network podcast production. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your community. Ratings, reviews, and suggestions are great sources of feedback and always appreciated. And please reach out and connect with me on social at Kelly Ryan Bailey. I'd love to meet you and continue the conversation. We'll be back next week with a new episode. So until then, keep growing your skills and have a great day.